All right. Hello. The Anything But Quiet Time podcast is where we uh, talk about what we're going through musically, apparently. It's an out loud version. That's enough. Uh, out loud version of a of a quiet time. Uh, Rochelle uh, talks about a little bit what she's going through. I talk about what I'm going through, and and you know any questions you have, anything, any thoughts you have, we'd love to just talk about openly what we're going through spiritually. Absolutely. And can I just invite you over the next couple of weeks? We're going to have some really special podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is going to be a series involving the resurrection eggs. Yeah, that, that's a week from today. It will be the start of that series, yes. And we're going to have several podcasts, like mini podcasts, and it's a great tool to use with your kids. But honestly, I remember showing it to my mother-in-law when my children were really small. She went out and got herself a set of these resurrection eggs. For, like for what? When when the kids came or just, I guess just for her? An object lesson is just kind of a a, yeah. a great reminder. It goes through this, this case. It looks like a dozen eggs. Like you get them at the grocery store in a little carton and each one has a part of the Holy Week story. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps you unpack all that Jesus did, but in a way that just keeps the story moving and kids, they latch on to it. Now they remember. We'll get into the, uh, you know, what we open and see each day. Mm -hmm. uh, But uh, you talked about Easter in general as it's, uh, how did you phrase it about this? It hinges on everything that we believe. Yeah. This one week, if you are a follower of Jesus, then your faith, this is, this is it. Yeah. We believe in Jesus's death, his resurrection, and it's because of what he did, not what we do. Right, right. That we can be saved through through the cross and through uh, through his resurrection, that we rise into new life. This incredible symbolism, but it actually happened. And so uh, if you would like to be a part of Holy Week in a special way, too, there's this really amazing journey you can take through text messages. You'll get a text message uh, all throughout that week. Right up until Easter Sunday morning. Kind of reminds you of what Jesus was going through each day. Exactly. You just text the word Easter to 893-893. And also hopeondemand.com, which is, you know, what we're based through. Uh, there's a lot of great Easter material. There's uh, articles to read. In fact, one of the the one new ones from this year is Easter, a pagan holiday. It gets into yeah. to all of that, uh, as well as Christian artists singing uh, about just incredible Easter worship songs. I really like the succinct way that is Easter, a pagan holiday, that that, that video makes it so succinct and it's mm-hmm. perfectly summed up and a lot of history yeah, yeah actually the goddess that they it sounds very similar to in name that it would have been named for the pagan holiday or whatever it was shaped like a bunny rabbit so people get all of this yeah oh that's interesting like okay. she looked like a, a rabbit yeah yeah. Is what I read online. So I, anyway, I'll tell you what I'd give up bunnies in a heartbeat. I, I wouldn't give up chocolate. You know, if they said, <laughs> let's not do the bunny. Great. Let's just shape it like something else. I, again, yeah. I think the point of the video is like, this is God's day. Yeah. Yeah. What was meant for evil. God can use for good. All of that. If somebody devotes a day to something that they shouldn't, doesn't mean that God can't encourages to take it back for him. You know, what's fascinating. I was hearing and he made um, bunny rabbits and he made bunny and he made chocolate. Hey, can I get an amen? He made the cocoa bean. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I can I get an amen? Oh, I'm sorry. Amen. I really I want a real you were amen. Just saying it. Amen. No, thank you. I'm Baptist. I can't. Like it's a void. Like you have to. If somebody says it, somebody's got to say amen. You're so persistent, and I I wasn't picking if up. If I on start it. singing "Sticks Come Sail Away," I have to finish the song. You just have to. Um, okay, so you know, I, I, we've had Mike Winger on before. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a podcast I listen to, Bible Thinker podcast, and somebody was asking this question to him uh, about 
how Easter played out and why, for example, we read constantly the disciples just don't get it Mm. leading up to, you know, what is this sacrifice? What is Jesus doing here? What kind of Messiah is he? Which we have hindsight. So we, well, yes, sometimes yes. we look at them and think, oh, how foolish they were. It's like, I would not have done any better. Right. That's it's exactly right. Yeah. You realize more and more. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, why why was um, Jesus persecuted in the way that he was? And it's you got into a very philosophical conversation of, well, Satan didn't know. Exactly. Because everybody knew something was going to happen, but they didn't know how. Mm -hmm. And clearly God perfected this thing because it's like Satan thought he won. Right. And then it's like, oh, snap. Like, it's it's like, oh, that's what this was. I encouraged Judas to help this. Yes. Yes. It's just kind of fascinating of how it all worked together. Um, But with this good news of Easter, I'm actually not in the Easter story right now. Just what I'm going through. I've been in, in the book of Acts and we have had this speaking of philosophical conversation. Uh, anybody brings up and and well-meaning Christians as well as atheists that are just trying to attack Christianity. Is it philosophical or theological? Well, uh, is you, it a combo? You pick. It's probably a combo. Okay. What about people on an island or people that uh, live in an area that's not prevalently Christian? Oh. What if they don't hear the news? Yeah. And about it, Jesus. It's a very tough question to to answer because mm-hmm. you know we stand firm in it's belief, it's faith in Jesus that gets you to heaven, gets you right with God. Yeah. But what if you don't hear about it? Is the question. And it's a great question to attempt to answer, but I would ultimately say, I'm going to leave the judgment seat up to God. And interestingly enough, I mean, it's called many things. I call it also the mercy seat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That place in between the two the the two angels on top of the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat. That's where people would go to meet the presence of God in the tabernacle and then later on the temple. And then because of what Jesus did on the cross, the veil is torn in two. And now we have yeah. this incredible opportunity to be in the presence of God. That is called a mercy seat, that area. And so what is mercy? It is withholding the punishment that one deserves. And so who does, uh, who predicts, uh, who says who's going to heaven, who goes to hell? Ultimately, God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not up to me. And there are so many situations where you go, wow, yeah, that just doesn't seem like it would be fair mm-hmm. if, right. they, if they've never heard of God. Right. And there is some scripture that talks about even Paul. He's like, and now that you know that it's sin. <laughs> Uh huh. Yeah. You, you have to be held accountable once you recognize that you are being sinful. Yeah. He even then goes on to lament and say, well, why is it now that I know that it's sin? I can't stop doing it. You know, isn't that interesting? That same right. passage. But uh, yeah, that that's uh, it's a tough question. I know a lot of people feel very strongly both ways about this. I, I found um, I never thought of this before because Acts chapter 10 is a very important passage. Um, it allows us to have bacon. Uh <laughs> So that's really important. But I had never thought about this story before in this context that God, you know, because the question's been asked before. Well, what if somebody's sincere in a God or wanting to understand, you know, knowing that there's a creator, especially you think about an island of people that haven't even heard of mainstream any religion. But mm-hmm. but they're like, but there's got to be something bigger than this. I think the question got posed even by I've shared this with you, Carter, the last book. In the Chronicles of Narnia series. Okay, right, 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 right. C.S. Lewis, he wrote this book, and I was captivated by this one vein of the story where this guy serves 
his God faithfully. Like nobody else in his land is really committed. Mm -hmm. But this one guy lovingly serves what he knows is the authority in the land or what he believes is the authority in the land. Mm -hmm. And so later on he dies and he goes to the equivalent of heaven, okay. which is Aslan's afterlife kind of a place. And he sees Aslan and he's like, what am I doing here? Where am I? And Aslan essentially tells him, when you served with faithfulness, when you served with love and were all in, you didn't know it, but your commitment was to something greater. And it's to me, it wasn't to that God that you thought you were serving. It's to me. And it was fascinating because when I watched, when I, when I was reading that book, I thought, oh, as a Christian, mm -hmm. I know this is an allegory. This whole C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan's supposed to be a Jesus figure here. Mm -hmm. um, that, it really confused me. I actually brought it up in youth group one day. And that's was, a whole That's a whole great example on, hey, let's uh, answer questions grace, uh, graciously, gracefully. And, and what happened with your Sunday school teacher? She said C.S. Lewis would never, would never write that, dismissed me, and went on to the next question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, I just read it. So. We shouldn't run from hard questions. No, and yeah, yeah. Oh, I just read it. Hold on, let me show you. <laughs> and that's the, and that's the thing. And I, you know, even I get uncomfortable with that because C.S. Lewis is just a guy, but at the same time, you look at all his work and it's just incredible. Well, yeah. Um, but but what does that mean? You know, because um, it's it's we know as believers, it's faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Yeah. So what would that mean if you just never heard about Jesus? And what I'm about to bring up with Acts 10 is an example, but I realized, oh my goodness. Well, I mean, missionaries come to mind and different things come to mind. God, if so, if somebody is like is doing that mm -hmm. in this with the C.S. Lewis story, God, we got to be able to trust that He will take care of it. Mm -hmm. And so, let me just read a little bit of this, and you'll see what I'm talking about. This is a guy named Cornelius. This is uh, Acts chapter ten. In Caesarea, there lived this is the beginning. And in, in Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said, Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius did the thing, told him to go, go get Peter. So now we pick up where Peter is, shifting scenes. Mm. Um, the next day, as Cornelius's messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon. He was hungry, but a meal was being prepared. He fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was uh, was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. Uh, no, Lord, Peter declared, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And there you go. There's the, the, the bacon mm -hmm, stuff right mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you have this guy, I'll just kind of summarize just a little bit. So. You have this guy, Cornelius, that doesn't know about Jesus, but he's obviously praying to God. And I would take that to mean he's praying to the God of Israel. Um, it, it's cap At least God is capitalized where he's praying to God, not just some God. He is praying to God, but he doesn't know the good news about Jesus. So here's this vision. 
go get Peter. Mm-hmm. Peter receives the message, yada, yada, yada. Those guys stay for a couple of days. They arrive at Cornelius's house. Cornelius tries to worship him. Mm. Uh, Peter entered, entered his home. He said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. They talked. And then Peter gives this, gives this message. In fact, uh, Cornelius says, uh, it said, uh, or Peter says, so I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent. And Cornelius knows that Peter has a message for him. Mm-hmm. And so obviously it's a, a big summary there that you have this dedicated man, but doesn't know the truth, truth. Yeah. And God seeing a heart like that, a little bit like we see in the C.S. Lewis thing, takes care of it, sending the right person to supply the message. Mm -hmm. That they were not lost, that he counted them. That's exactly right. Of worth and value. So you have missionaries on earth, Mm -hmm. right? And you have anybody and everybody going to every possible people group they can get to right yeah, now. Yeah. And I, I know, I, I understand it to be, they're still unreached groups, correct? Um, yeah. But, uh, but they're, but for the majority, compared to even 50 years ago, so many being led to Christ. And I think just having that faith that if somebody is sincere like that and wants to know and isn't rejecting God, the truth will get to them. And, and trusting that God is going to take care of the unreached. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've heard of even, for example, with um, Muslims, they believe in Jesus. They believe that he's a sure. prophet. Yeah. But they believe him to be a, uh, an that important he was a figure. a good teacher, yes. Good teacher, yes. prophet, born of a virgin. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, they believe that. But they don't believe that he was the Savior. And many Muslims have had dreams mm-hmm. of Jesus telling them, I'm not just a prophet. Yeah. I'm the one. And they— shift gears and come to him. So to it is a hard question, mm-hmm. especially when it seems like, well, there's so many people that go unreached, but clearly in the people that are sincere, that God has, has melted their heart, has a, a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, you have a great example here. You have real life examples currently, like dreams like that. God is reaching people no matter what People, critics of Christianity say, well, about, what about this person that grows up and never hears? God is getting to these people. Mm. I, I I had never read that story in that way for that hard question. It's really good. Um, there are lots of places, I think, in Scripture, too, that that share this, this incredible mercy and grace of our Lord. Um, I mean, look at Rahab, for instance. Mm-hmm. She is a Canaanite woman, uh, and it quit. Reminder, she's from the Jericho story with Joshua, and they're about to come into the promised land. Uh, Joshua sends a couple spies in to, you know, check it out, see what's going on. And she is a prostitute. Yeah. Yeah. Canaanite, quote, pagan woman. And she recognizes the holiness of Israel's God. She recognizes authority. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what she does. And so when these spies come into the city and they see her and they, I, I, she hides them. She's yeah. like, because the soldiers start looking, oh, I think there's spies here in Jericho. Let's go look for them. And so she takes them to this place where they'll not be seen. And they thank her before they leave because, yeah, they, they got out of the the way real fast. Uh-huh. And the soldiers left. She said, well, I think, I think they left. Those two men following her description. Yes, they left through the wall. Through the city gates. And so they go following him into this 
you know, wooded area and trying to find them. And meanwhile, she's like, okay, so you want to wait over here until daybreak. And then when, as soon as this happens and she gives them the the direction so they won't get caught, it's pretty incredible. And they're like, you're amazing. Thank you. She said, okay, yeah, but I know that this is your land. I know it's a thing. I've heard the stories. I know your God is God. Will you remember me? Will you keep me safe? Mm. How does that happen? This this gets into a very theological question on does God place the desire in people's hearts or is it is it our own choice, our own, you know, it's a, it's a very tough question. I think she recognized authority. She did. And you have, I've always thought growing up, well, it was a special group of people and everybody else was just, um, and no. you know, but you have people that can join if they're willing to Absolutely. follow the ways of God. And the first, yes, in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, that is very clear that you are to, to take care of foreigners, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you are to take care of each other. And, uh, you know, it, there was a I think there's a big distinction between, you know, because there's a lots of passages where it's like when you go into the land, kill everybody. But then like a couple of whatever's later, you're like, wait, how do they there's some still alive. They mm-hmm. said they killed everybody. And you're to read it as hyperbole mm. from what I understand. So there were always situations, plenty of circumstances. Rahab was a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. She was in the genealogy of Jesus. Yeah. This prostitute pagan woman. Okay. So clearly mercy is, is here <laughs> and she recognized authority. And it's not like, I think God impressed upon her. You have to do this and you're going to do this. And it's like, he waves the little clock in front of her. Like he hypnotizes her. <laughs> no, no. I yeah. think she saw, she heard, she knew what was going on. Maybe the, there was some woman instinct there i don't know mom instinct maybe mom instinct but you know it's it's kind of like what we were talking about even it's not faith isn't based on a feeling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she studied and showed herself approved yeah from all accounts she she knew knew that the god that israel served was god and you know to go back to well there's only this this great group of chosen people yes israelites are god's chosen people but that didn't mean others weren't yeah because yeah. in Psalms, we read uh, that you are king of all nations, that all will come under you. And we read about uh, Melchizedek was not. He was a Canaanite priest from Jerusalem before it was called Jerusalem. I guess Shalom was where it's called. Well, he's mentioned later in Hebrews. You and I have discussed this. Mm-hmm. This high priest who served God, who knew God. I thought Abraham was the only guy who knew God. Well, this guy comes out and blesses Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. And he serves. He knows about God. How's that possible? There are so many accounts. Hagar, she's not, quote unquote, a chosen one, but God chooses to love this woman who is the mother of Ishmael, Mm -hmm. who ends up becoming the father of many of the Arab nations. Right, right. You know, Um, there is love for his people across the board. Joshua asks the angel, who are you for? Are you with us or are you against us? The angel said, neither, because I serve God's army, Hmm. period. And so you look at, well, why did these people get wiped out? Why did the Lord allow it? There was such, there was evil business happening there. It was bad. And that evil needed to be undone. Yeah. And so the command is get in there and don't 
don't be messing around with the stuff these folks were messing around with. Get rid of it. There, there is a, uh, and it's hard to see when it's so long ago, but there is a rejection of God. And even if, even a, a person who may not be a Christian, but, you know, they try to be a good person or whatever, mm-hmm. there it was a, it just such uh, detestable things that aren't even moral, oh, right? Oh, gosh. And so it's yeah. it's hard when it's like that, but it would be like saying in some aspects, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we just let the you know the, the Germans in World War II. I mean, we 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 can't kill them. It's just mean to kill, so we better just let them be. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, kind of thing. I'm it, a little bit apples to oranges there, but in the Old Testament, God is in charge. God knows His way, mm-hmm. and you have people that are actively and grossly rejecting that. Mm-hmm. And th- there are consequences. Yeah, it's all it's a hard thing to reconcile, but there are consequences. God wants everybody on His side, but they chose not to be. There's a there's the very real uh, part of God that there is a wrathful side of God, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. He gets upset at injustice mm-hmm. because He is just. Yeah, and so. Um, yeah, I mean, we, I was sharing this with Carter earlier. I never really thought about it, but, you know, we're going to go into this Holy Week. And one of the first things Jesus does after he rides that donkey into Jerusalem for Palm Sunday, he goes and upturns the tables in his temple. It's his temple. Why did he get so mad? Because he was asserting his authority in his house. And as a dad or as a parent, maybe you've had to do that as well. You were asserting authority in your home. People were justifying sin mm-hmm. in his house, and that was not okay. So, yeah, there's this side. I You could try. We could all try to study it, spend a zillion years trying to figure out our incredible, eternal, infinite God. But at the end of the day, I think you said at the beginning of the podcast, it's like we have to trust him. Mm-hmm. We have to trust that he knows best. And, uh, you know, in Judges, there's this. This is one of the prime examples why you do not allow even a little bit of idolatry in. And you have to figure out what that looks like. What do you place before God? And that could be uh, something even this may feel separate. I don't think it is. Whenever you put your own skin before God, you've You've made an idol out of you. Mm. So, like, if you think that uh, you're going to get in trouble, so you choose to lie. What does the Bible say about lying? Don't do it. So that's mm-hmm. God's command to us to not lie. So you choose to do it anyway because you don't want to get in trouble. What mm-hmm. have you done? You've placed your skin before God. Mm-hmm. You have made yourself an idol. So his word to his people, though, is don't, don't get involved in all this idol stuff. This is wrong. He even includes, look, these places were sacrificing their babies, their mm-hmm. children. It was awful. Yeah. You know, and don't even think I, that is an abomination to me. I don't want anything to do with that. Don't do that. He made the law very clear. And then you go further. I'm now in judges. And one of the things that happens, you look at these judges, they're there to lead Israel and the cycle. Oh, my word, the cycle of going back and forth. And then they fell away from God and they started worshiping idols. And then uh, a leader came along and helped them out. You know, Gideon is one of those leaders. And he there's this great thing about him going in with only 300 soldiers and they defeat this huge army because it's God defeating them. It's an amazing story. And then at the very end of it, Gideon, they're like, oh, we're going to make you our king. And he's like, don't make me your king. And you're like, way to go, Gideon. After showing some mistrust there with the whole fleece thing, uh-huh. way to go, Gideon. Then he's like, 
don't make me your king, but bring me all your jewelry that you got. <laughs> and then he makes this statue, and guess what? Everybody ends up paying homage to the statue, oh my worshiping the statue. And then there's this guy who's also one of the judges that's sent to help free Israel in some way, and he makes this promise to God. His name is, I think, Japheth, Japhtha. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he's one of the judges. You'll read about him early on, uh, right there, a little bit before Samson. And uh, he makes this weirdo promise. First of all, if you make a promise to God, you better keep it. Mm -hmm. That's been made clear in the first five books of the Old Testament. But also what was made clear in the first five books, there's a certain way I want you to honor me. And sacrificing people is not one of them. Mm -hmm. So this guy doesn't ask God, hey, what do you want from me? For, you know, I, I want to bring, I want to praise you if you lead us into battle and we win. Lord, if you help us win, this is what he says. I will sacrifice the first person that comes out to greet me after the war is over. Come on. God doesn't ask him to do this. Come on. But he makes this promise, this vow. And he does it. And it's his only child. It's so wrong. Yeah. You read about this in scripture over and over again. Now, if you read it out of context and you see that this guy did it and he did it for to honor God, you'd be like horrified. Mm. <gasps> Why would God want this? No, he didn't. He didn't ask for this. So. Well, what a good lesson to nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Nobody, I don't, not many would do, not, not what really love would, would do something like that. But don't we do the same type of thing? Mm -hmm. God, if you give me this job. I'll I'll do like twenty hours of community service a month. God, if you, if you give me this job, I'll give you half my salary. I'll get you know. God, if you give me this job, I'll go to church again. Is God you know? asking you to do that? Ask him for a new job. Just, Just ask, ask him, him for a new job. Now we want to honor him, of course, but that that should be nothing to do with asking for the job. Is it good? Is you wanting to provide for your family a good thing when you ask God for good things? Right. Right. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, that's true. Well, we talked about the scriptural last week. I mean, I, God, let me get this job where I'm, I don't know, <laughs> something to, I don't even want to say it. I'm a ter terrible person. Uh, no, it would be a normal job. Yeah. That is exactly a good thing to provide for your family. To help and, and then be able to give a tenth. He didn't ask for half. He asked for a tenth. Now, if you want to give above and beyond, that's between you and him. That's called an offering. But, um, but I think the point of reading don't get mixed up in the idolatry thing is super key because when they allowed that to sneak in, it all got mixed in. Do you see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. like they know to follow God. He knows Jephthah knows to pray to God and to praise him, but it all got mixed up in this whole, the influence of other nations and their, uh, in their sacrificing children and their, these wrong things got mixed up in what God's law was. Yeah, they got yeah. away from the word. Mm. And in fact, there were places where the word had been uh, written down on these giant stones so that no one would ever stray. They were supposed to come together and they're supposed to read through the law every once in a while. And they got away from what God wanted. And so it's a reminder. Get in the word, Rochelle. Yeah. Are yeah. you asking things are for things that are in line with God? Are you saying things that are in line with what he wants? Are you just going willy-nilly with feelings? Or are you founded on something stronger than that? Are you founded on Jesus Christ 
Which is truth. And what a good reset uh, when we approach Easter. Um, the Easter text, I want to make sure to say one more time, uh, you can follow along with that timeline. Uh, just text the, the word Easter to the number 893-893. You could follow along with the Easter timeline. Uh, we'll do Easter next week, but after that, you're going through Judges. When is Judge Judy? When will she be coming up? Oh, she's coming. Yeah. Oh, she's coming. Okay. All right. Judge Judy. One of the Supreme Court justices, right? According to... Uh... America? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 